You're listening to The Building Code. I'm Tom Houghton. I'm Paul Worth. And on this episode, we're joined by Matt Reisinger, owner of Reisinger & Co. based in Austin, Texas. And he's the host of The Build Show on YouTube. Matt, welcome to The Building Code. Guys, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Cool to be on with you all today. Hello, Matt. Uh, How's Austin, Texas right now? You know, believe it or not, the build show is on the road today, so I am uh, calling in from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I just shot a build show, Oh, and I'm on on my way to the airport, so I'm parked at the Mall of America right now, outside of the airport. Oh my, I was just there. I was. I was just there two weeks ago. It was my first time. Oh, is that right? It is a, uh, it's a look for humanity <laughs> there, I'm telling you, like, you just buckle up when you get in there. It's every person yeah. for himself. It's huge, especially inside the Nickelodeon zone. Yeah, which oh, is wow. impressive the rides, but it's just a lot of hand sanitizer. I would just that would be the recommendation. Yeah, yeah, this place looks looks pretty crazy. But it's I'll massive. tell you, Minnesota is beautiful. I just went to a job site about forty five minutes from the airport, uh, in the woods, uh, using a brand new type of framing that I've ever seen before, an insulated stud called the T stud, and man, it was really really neat. I was. I was impressed. What is unique about a T-stud? Because act as if I don't know anything about building. <laughs> just act. Okay. Just act like it. Because that would be accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure you know exactly uh, everything about framing, Paul. But yep. For those of those for those listening who aren't familiar, uh, most houses are framed traditionally with two by material, either two by fours or two by sixes on 16 inch centers, and then we stuff insulation in between the framing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of akin to like, you know, if you got out of the shower and you had to run down the street naked, would you grab a jacket to throw on to get warm as you're running down the cold street? Or would you stuff insulation in between your ribs? And traditionally in America, we stuff insulation between our ribs and our houses. And our ribs on the houses, the framing, are actually not particularly efficient. You know, a stud has an R value of about 6.8, puts a 2 by 6 stud. Whereas the, the cavity in between, we're going to put, let's say, a fiberglass bat that might be an R19. Mm-hmm. And our framing accounts for about a quarter of the wall space in our houses, about 24%. So if you've got all this framing that's not very well insulated, how do you insulate your houses and get them to be very efficient? Well, we've, we've done a lot of exterior insulation over the years. But this new framing product by these guys based out of Minnesota is a truss basically to use as a stud where they've got a two by three and a two by three with a crisscross dowel in an X shape up and down these two stud, these two exterior and interior studs. And then they fill that with uh, spray foam. Mm-hmm. And so this two by six equivalent stud is now an R20 instead of an R6.8. Wow. So it in effect triples the insulation value of your studs, which which could really double the insulation value of your R of your whole wall assembly um, by switching to these. So payback's very short uh, on this compared to other methods of uh, energy efficiency gains. It frames like a traditional stud. It cuts like a traditional stud. It's pretty cool. I was impressed. That so we shot cool. a big old build show on it. Hopefully by the time the podcast is up, you can go to my uh, YouTube channel and check it out. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to that. Again, for those okay. for those who don't know, not me, What what is an R-value? So R-value is a measure of resistance of heat flow. And so, you know, your igloo cooler, or better yet, your Yeti cooler, let's say, has a really good resistance to heat flow. So you fill your Yeti cooler with ice, 
And even if that Yeti cooler is in the back of your truck, two or three days later, you may still have ice. Where if you have an inexpensive Igloo cooler, the $50 cooler, usually the next day your ice is melted. And so your cooler is resisting the heat flow from the outside heat to the inside where the ice is to melt that ice. And that's what our houses do as well. They, they uh, resist heat flow. And it's one of the four things that our houses need to control. There's four control layers in every house. There's a, a water control layer, an air control layer, a vapor control layer, and a thermal control layer. And that's what we usually talk about is R value. That's your thermal control, uh, you know, usually considered just your insulation. But in this case, your framing could actually have an R value as well and provide some insulation value to your wall. That's really unique. So we'll, we'll throw the name of that company. We'll give them a shout. Yeah, it's called the T-Stud. Their website is tstud.com. T as in, as in thermal stud, or in your case, Tom. Yeah, Tom is like stud. it's the Tom Stud. And are they, are, they available, the stud. are they available in every state or where, are they limited right now? Yeah, they've kind of an interesting model. They're, they're stocked in some lumber yards in the north and northeast. Um, but they're going nationwide direct where if you're a builder in Texas that wants to use them, in fact, I have a builder friend who's, who's ordered a, a truckload already. They'll sell it to you direct and they basically eat the shipping costs. They'll still sell it to you for kind of a quote unquote retail cost. And then they'll eat the shipping costs and they'll send you a truckload to frame a whole house in Texas That's or awesome. California or wherever you are. Yeah, well, Framing we'll th- direct, kind of an interesting model. Yeah. We'll throw that up there. Um, I saw a tweet recently. Let's just stay on this, this topic. You said something about a house breathing and like the common conception is that a house needs to breathe. That might be a misconception. Again, uh, I didn't, I didn't track on that. Can you explain that one? <laughs> sure, Paul. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty common misnomer that houses need to breathe and people talk about that all the time. But in fact, houses don't need to breathe. People need to breathe. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when we talk about houses that need to breathe or the people that say, Oh, your house needs to breathe. I usually say, well, why don't you just go ahead and build people with a, with a window in the house that will never close because building a leaky house is the same as building a house with a window that will never close. You know, would, would you build a house with windows that only went within one inch of shutting, but never actually shut? That's the same as building a leaky house. No, Mm -hmm. we want to build very, very airtight houses. And we want to control the airflow on our terms, not when the wind is blowing. So a leaky house, you know, you never can shut the windows, whereas a tight house, we want to seal it up really, really tight, as tightly as we can on the envelope, the exterior skin of the house. That's the windows and doors. That's the framing. That's all the penetrations, whether it's electrical outlets to poke through or plumbing vents or whatever it is. We want to seal all that up really, really tightly. And then we want to bring fresh air in on our terms, mm-hmm. just like your car, you know, when traveling down the highway, you press the button, hit the fresh air button, you know, that car has a mechanical system that can bring that air in, it can heat it and cool it, it can drop the humidity, and it can remove the pollen before that air enters your car. Our houses have the same ability to do that for not much money, really, and for very, very high efficiency so that we can make our houses very, very comfortable with very, very clean air. And then we can bring fresh air in on a measured, filtered basis. And we can bring it in when we want it to be brought in. And oh, by the way, we want to bring it into the important places. You know, you spend like 40% of your lifetime is spent in your bedroom. So wouldn't we want fresh, filtered, dehumidified, cooler, heated air in our bedrooms? Yes, we would. And we can do that for not that much money, really, in the scheme of building a house. That's my uh, my rant on air tightness. That makes sense. <laughs> that's a good. That's a How good rant. 
from an outside perspective too, though, it makes me think that that's putting a lot of focus and attention and effort on the AC, like heating and AC units that go into the house, right? Yep, it is, Tom. You're right. But, uh, but you know, there's also lots of temperate days, and so that's why we have windows that operate, right? So on temperate days when it's not a bunch of pollen in the air outside or when it's not particularly humid or particularly hot or cold, you should throw open your windows, you know, let that outside air in. But, you know, in Omaha, just like as in Texas, there's some nasty days outside when you wouldn't want your windows wide open. And so you'd want your system to operate very efficiently. And the way your system operates very efficiently is by not having to deal with a bunch of air infiltration or leaky air through the house. Instead, letting that air be very tight between the outside and the inside and then putting high levels of insulation in so that now we can use much, much smaller equipment. And really, we only need to do a puff of fresh air into the house. We don't have to exchange all the air in the house. And that's how we build a, a very durable, efficient house. Yeah, you mentioned windows. And I want to go down that because you just did a video about change orders. It was, mm-hmm. some, what was the title? Something about how a mistake that almost cost you a business or something like that? Yeah, we made a great video uh, with our friends at Builder Trend um, that I published last week. Almost 100,000 views in a week. Yes, that was And amazing. I was talking about one of my bigger mistakes in, as a builder was when I started out. I, I built a project for a client that I did cost plus a guaranteed maximum. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was I was my systems were not particularly well uh, in place yet. During the course of the video, while we were playing, we were showing some of my current systems. I've been on Builder Trend now for about eighteen months, going on two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a giant change! Even for now, I had fixed my change order issue prior to Builder Trend, but what an incredible thing to have an iPad out in the field to talk about a change order with the client, to actually do it right then and there in front of them and have them sign it in the field. To be able to have those systems and those tools at your fingertips for a builder is incredible. Yeah. And, and so the, the point of the story was, look, let's, let's use technology to our advantage as builders. And there's great tools out there like Builder Trend that can take some of the pain and some of that organization and make it much more easy and and give you those systems and those tools and procedures, even if you're in the field. So that's what we talked about in the video. And that video seemed to totally resonate because, like you said, you got a ton of views. And that, uh, change order is something that we go to as well right away. It's one of those things that across all segments we serve, which is like residential and a little light commercial, like it definitely resonates. So that video is really cool. We'll put a link to that video in the show notes too. So make sure you go check that out. And I love that you plugged it, yep. but, but my Windows reference was not exactly that part of it. One of those 100,000 views was my wife. And ah. <laughs> the, the house you, you were in is amazing. It was like, well, I, it's kind of like three-fourths of the way done, right? It's, you, yep. you're almost yep, there. pretty close. But the, you have these basically floor-to-ceiling windows that have that black, thin trim. And that's like mm, definitely yeah. a new style, right? A new, a new trend. Yep. And I, I think... You, Basically, you just cost me a bunch of windows. So, <laughs> do you want to talk about that's that style a, uh, at all? Because I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a uh, that's kind of a local company that's done well. That's a a window that's actually made in Texas, outside mm. of Austin, Texas. The company's about twenty years old, and uh, a builder friend of mine who's been in business for ten years or fifteen years longer than me was building a house twenty some years ago that the client requested some steel windows and doors in the house and mm-hmm. a few specific places. And architects love steel windows. 
because of the very thin sight lines that you can get with steel. You know, when you build a wood window, you need a fair amount of wood to hold the structure of the glass and to make it structurally sound. But with steel, as strong as it is, you can have very thin sight lines. And uh, and there's also just a certain feeling about a steel window and door. You know, my dorm, I remember when I went to school in the, in the 90s, uh, was a 50s dorm room that had steel windows. And they sweated in the wintertime. They had some condensation on them. But, you know, they were, at that point, decades old, and they still performed perfectly because steel just lasts. Now, there's a little maintenance to do, but that, that house in particular has an entire uh, window package of steel windows and doors uh, by a company called Ramey, R-E-H-M-E, uh, windows. Mm-hmm. And so 20 years ago, this builder said to his steel guy, who was actually, I think, doing fences on the job at the time, hey, you know, this client wants these steel windows and doors, and I... I got this company out in New York to bid it. It was super expensive. I won't mention the name because everybody knows it who's a builder listening. But uh, they know how expensive they can be. And the welder said, really, they're that expensive? I bet I could make some of those. You know, why don't you let me give you a bid on a couple of the key windows and doors? And so here we are 20 years later, and this that uh, guy who was a fence welder also was a pretty smart engineer and built an entire company around building these really uh, excellent, finely crafted, and customized for each project: steel windows and doors. And you obviously, and, uh, you, have a cut, you have a cut of that company, right? Since it was your idea. No, I don't. No, I just <laughs> discounted. Peter, least. the uh, founder, is just a great guy who I know, and and uh, and they've really refined it. Now they even have a thermally broken version where the inside and outside steel are broken, but they still sell the original version, which is not thermally broken and really feels authentic. And that's what ha- that house that I was building has. Thermally broken so, sounds very scientific. It's you- a fancy term for meaning that the inside uh, is broken thermally, meaning there's a, there's a stop for the transfer of heat flow from the inside to the out. Does that mean that uh, you could use these windows pretty much anywhere in the nation or in the world with, you know, varying climates? I think of steel windows and thinking of like our cold climate here in Omaha during the winter. Yeah, you could use them. That's right. Uh, I don't know about the coldest climate zones in America, whether they'd make the U factors necessary for like climate zones five and six. But in climate zone one and two, you technically don't need a thermal break, especially if you take the performance path of construction, which means that you basically show your inspector that the whole building meets the energy code, even if a couple products in the building don't, like, for instance, your steel windows and doors. And so that's true in most parts of the country that you could even use them in one or two places. But then the thermally broken ones, as you get to a more cold climate, you're going to want that thermal break on there for sure. And of course, the thermal break is a benefit is a benefit to us, even on our hot climate like Texas. But really, the only the only downside without a thermal break, besides some loss of efficiency is that you're going to see some condensation on those windows a couple of times a year when the conditions are right. When it's cold enough outside, uh, you know, two or three days a year, you're going to get some condensation on those windows. So we, we were talking about thermal breaks. We're talking about our values. Uh, we're talking about efficiency. All of this seems to tie into your passion of building science. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've been very passionate about it for a long time, but uh, just like I talked about in that video where a mistake was made and that got me really uh, learning the business side and figuring out how to do change orders, I've learned building science also the hard way. You know, I, I, uh, I started as a builder in the early 90s uh, with a national production builder 
and knew nothing about building science. We were building, frankly, not very good homes. And there's still some, a, a few production builders out there like that, although a lot of them have wised up and built a really good house today. But uh, it was the mold crisis of 2001 when I was working in Portland, Oregon, that got me to learn and care about building a better house. I was building uh, in a pretty rainy climate in Portland. And in 2001, mold was on the national radar because even Tom Brokaw on the NBC Nightly News was talking about the mold scare in houses and the mold crisis in America. And uh, insurance companies were actually covering for mold, mold problems and mold growth in houses. And so lots of new home builders, like the one I was working for, um, were all of a sudden getting claims of mold in the house that was six months or a year old. And so uh, when I started working for this builder in Portland, Oregon, uh, the week prior to working for them, they had they had just gotten sued by two or three clients and had bought back a few homes because of mold issues. And so here I was, this 30-year-old punk who'd been building for a few years but really didn't know much about science, uh, the science and physics of buildings. I learned a lot quickly um, because of this mold growth issue. We were having mold growing in brand new houses. Was that during that time that I started really learning everything I could about building science uh, to prevent future building failures? And to this day, I'm still passionate about that because by understanding the physics of buildings or what we call building science, you can build a house that's incredibly durable, that's incredibly efficient, that's incredibly healthy, and that's very long lasting and you won't have problems from clients that have issues in their houses. So that's one of my main topics on my YouTube channel. So you went from Portland to Austin. Don't they both have something about keeping them weird? Like keep Portland weird or keep Austin weird? That's true, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely keep weird towns, that's for sure. <laughs> they're great that's towns. kind of funny. How'd you get to Austin? So uh, I started my building career in Washington, D.C., and I met my wife when she was just starting in medical school. She actually transferred medical school so I could stay in my builder job in D.C. And so I said, well, when you graduate from med school, I'll move for you wherever you want to go for your for your training. So she picked a residency program she really liked in Portland, Oregon, and I flew out there to check it out and loved the Pacific mm -hmm. Northwest. So we moved there for three years. When she was finishing the program, we got pregnant with our first kiddo. And we said, all right, where are we going to move? Should we go back east where I was from? I grew up in the northeast. Or should we move to Texas where you're from? And I'd always wanted to start my own building company. So it was kind of a no-brainer. Should we move to the east coast or should we move to Austin, Texas? And I'm sure glad I did. Austin's been a good town for me. I've loved living there. And, and it's been booming really ever since with a small dip for the recession. Uh, other than that, we've had incredible years in Austin in the building business. Yeah, right after so. right after recession, something that's very close to us, technology companies started going to Austin in droves, right? Yeah. So that's a yeah, big there's a tech center now. It's a huge tech center, and uh, a lot of my clients are in the tech industry. I, I just finished a house last year for a guy who does data warehousing and has several server farms in Austin with his huge data company. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got lots of tech executives that, that I've built houses for and it fits well with me too. Cause you know, my YouTube channel and, and the, the way that I talk about the science of building a better house fits usually pretty well with, with tech people. They care about that stuff. They want things that are well built and well crafted. And so it's been a, it's been a good place to have a building business. Since we're talking about tech and kind of trends, I'd be curious to know 
What other latest trends are you seeing in the building science space? What else are you excited about? You know, one of the things that uh, I've really learned a ton about uh, recently or even the last couple of years is, is uh, air tightness. You know, I've talked a lot about waterproofing over the years because water is really your main priority as a builder. If you can't keep a waterproof house, you, you're going to have big problems, whether it's mold growth or whether it's just the phone call at midnight, hey, I've got a roof leak. Water is your number one enemy as a builder. But then after you've conquered water and you've made a waterproof house that keeps the framing dry, then number two is air tightness. And we've made a lot of advances in air tightness and methods and materials for air tightness over the last five years, even, I would say. And so I've learned a lot about that in the last, even the last one to two years, about how to build a very airtight house. Uh, because air is right behind water when it comes to priority. You know, if you've got air leaking in, you also could have water issues because in Texas, where I am, it's, it's humid out a lot. And if that air is leaking in, it's typically going to find a cold condensing surface to, to, uh, to condense on. And now that air drops its humidity and you've got mold growth or you've got other problems inside the house. So we want very airtight houses, not just for energy efficiency, but also for health of our buildings and our occupants as well. And learning about those different techniques and methods has been a lot of fun for me. And that's that's really, I think, the next frontier of growth for, for American builders, too, because in Austin, Texas, we've had to do blower tests, which is a measure of air tightness for quite a few years. But most parts of the country are not required to do that yet, but will be required in the next one to three years to do that. So builders are going to be scrambling to try and figure out how to pass that test. For those of us who are currently in a house, let's say like myself, you know, that when we first moved in, the very first thing I did was added insulation to the attic uh, to try to yep. increase the R value there. But yep. we looked into doing like blower door tests because we, we've been trying to make the house more energy efficient. Do you feel like the gains are there for people like remodelers or, or is this just really a space for new build only? No, um, I would say that especially when it comes to air tightness, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit in existing housing. For instance, I've done a couple of videos on a product called Aero Barrier and Aero Seal, which is a, uh, a sister company, where you can actually retrofit a house to make it much, much tighter. Now, it's harder to do in a fully occupied house with all the furniture in, but on a resale, let's say, before you moved in, you could come in and do a product called, or a process called Aero Barrier, and take your 20, 30, 40 year old house from incredibly leaky to very, very tight in just a couple hours with error barrier. And both from, so, the, from the new home construction where you're at and from something like you just mentioned, like what are some of the dollar amounts you're saving? Like on a month, a year, like compared to the cost, cause I'm sure like all the products you talked about, Matt, on the, on the new build, they're, they're not less expensive than some of the traditional ways, but what's sort of that ROI on that? Yeah, that's a good question. So let's say if you had a 3,000 square foot house that was built 20 or 30 years ago for three to four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, let's say three to five thousand dollars, you could come in and do aero barrier and you could increase your insulation levels and you could drop your utility bills in half uh, pretty easily. And wow. so what's your, you know, what's your what's your typical utility bills on a 2,500 square foot house in Omaha, Nebraska? So like averaging 150 200 bucks a month let's say yeah yeah probably so a two, like that, at 200 dollars yeah. a month that's 2400 dollars a year in utilities so if you could drop that in half we're talking about a thousand bucks a year in utility savings 
So if you spend five grand, your payback's five years, uh-huh. and every year beyond that's gravy. Yep, that makes total sense. So that's that's pretty good ROI. I mean, I've lived in my remodeled house now for twelve years, and uh, you know, I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to build a new house for myself, and yet here I am, twelve years later, I still haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, if we that's only difficult. think about three year paybacks, we tend to be short sighted. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We have a plan. Yeah. Well, great, Matt. This is awesome. I, uh, thanks for coming out. Thanks for all the interesting building science stuff that I totally understood. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I could uh, get it into the zone for you guys. <laughs> so so for, all, for those who don't know, Matt, you had mentioned the Build Show, your YouTube channel. You've got over 377 plus thousand followers on YouTube. Uh, you do really well on social. So we'll throw all of those links on the show notes. You should check it out. You have some awesome videos, not just the one that you just did for us, but uh, across the board, it's just great knowledge of the building industry. Yep. Paul and Tom, I really appreciate you guys having me on. We've, uh, we've like I said, we've been on Build Trend now for uh, going on two years, and man, it's been so awesome. We've really, you guys have been phenomenal. And quick plug for Builder Trend, I'll tell you, we, not too long after we made the switch, you guys started a service where you would actually come to us and do some training. Yeah. And, uh, and we paid to have two of your guys come. And I'll tell you, that was money incredibly well spent because uh, we got up to, up to speed on Builder Trend so much quicker. And, uh, and now, you know, here we are two years later, and it's like an integrated part of life. Yeah, that's great. Uh, where to I hear. can check on all my jobs, I can look at the daily logs, I know exactly what's happening, I know what schedules are. All that is on my iPhone or on my iPad whenever I need it. So, if you don't know Builder Trend, you should get out there and uh, and learn about these guys. And uh, and if you haven't taken advantage of some of their training, you should also do that if you are on Builder Trend because there's a lot of good business and systems help uh, if you use all their modules. Yeah, we, we have two options. We talk about Buildertrain University, which we have every month, two days, come here, learn, sort of get away from your office, which is very helpful for people. Yep. And then when the other option is we come to you. So we haven't really talked about that to yep. on-site consulting. We'll put links to that in the, in the show notes as well. Yeah, our on-site consultants are great because they kind of custom tailor kind of based on your business. They try to do some uh, research beforehand, do some phone calls, get that all set up so that way they can maximize their time on-site to get you set up as quickly as possible. So. Yeah, everybody learns that definitely for us. accelerator for yep. builder from usage. Yeah. yeah. Matt, thank you so much for your time and joining us on the show. We really love what you're doing for the industry. We wish you all the best and continued success uh, for you and your team there. Yeah, Thanks, we'll, Tom. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it, guys. You bet. We'll see you in Austin, Omaha, or at a trade show soon, I'm sure. Somewhere in between. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, y'all. Appreciate Thanks. you. Talk to you all soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Love what you heard? Don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast so you can hear from more guests that will benefit your business. Also, please check out our show notes page for more information on what we discussed on this episode. You can find it at buildertrend.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Building Code. Appreciate you.